Hi there. Thank you for choosing to listen to this sermon. We pray that God would use this as an added resource to benefit you in conjunction with you belonging to a local church near you. This sermon was preached at Central Baptist Church, Pretoria. 130 years of believers loving God, caring for one another, and impacting the world. Oh, thanks, thanks, thanks. Um, it's, it's good to be back in the house of God this evening. If you've been following, following with us throughout the evening services, you'd have known that we've been pacing through the first letter to the Corinthians. But tonight we take a break. So imagine this as, a, as an ad break. And we will be back next week in the letter, of the letter to the Corinthians. But tonight we'll consider Psalm 34. Psalm 34 will be the psalm that we will be looking at tonight. Now as you turn there, as by way of introduction, I want to ask you, do you remember when we all gathered together with strangers from foreign lands to, to watch the World Cup in our own country, on our own soil? I remember my friends and I went to Maryfield, Mary Fitzgerald Square to, to watch the game and we enjoyed being with people from Spain, people from Brazil, there were Italians, there were Mexicans. We gathered around to watch the game and it was, it was at Mary Fitzgerald Square where we saw Teco Mudise give a through pass behind the Mexican defense, Shabalala running from the left, he gets the ball, he strikes it to the top corner and it was a goal the roof was lifted off the whole country of south africa peter drury yelled these words from his commentary booth he said shabalala goal bafana bafana goal for south africa goal for africa jabulila rejoice ah you should have been there Oh, 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 when, when Wales, Wales was trying to make history by beating the Springboks on South African soil. They had tried 10 times before and failed all 10 times. And yesterday they were trying for an upset. They, um, let's see, they, the stadium was full, masks were off, no vaccine certificates were needed to enter into the stadium. South Africans were looking for a reason to rejoice. But the halftime score was 18 to 3. The mood was souring. But cue in the bomb squad. They moved in and the score changed. It moved to 24-15, 24-23, two yellow cards, 29-24. The box are back in the game with two yellow cards, 76 minutes left. Surely the game is over. Viva poco poco, viva. But no, the Wales scored a try. It is 29-29. If they score the conversion, they take the lead. They could win and South Africans will be sad forever. <laughs> but they missed the conversion kick. These South African supporters you could hear from at the church, from the stadium, a whole sigh of relief. But the question was, will it end as a draw? No, the South Africans get a deliberate knockdown penalty right after the buzzer and they score, winning the game 32-29. Ah, oh, you should have been there. See, many of us share similar stories together. 
Stories where the listener listens and they get a sense of your excitement. They listen to that story. They get a sense of FOMO. They get a sense of, man, I wish I was there. They too want to experience this event that brought you great joy as you share your story. Well, tonight we will share in a story that the psalmist will be sharing to us. He has a reason to be joyful and he shares this story with us of what he has tasted and what he has seen. And he is going to tell us that the Lord indeed, he is good. So let's read together Psalm 23 and we'll start our reading from verse 1. Sorry, Psalm 34. The Lord's my shepherd. Psalm 34 verse 1 says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Verse 3, Oh, magnify the Lord with me. And let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant, and their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Verse 8, O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. O fear the Lord, you his saints. For those who fear him have no lack. Verse 10. The young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, as we come together this evening, we pray that we would be led by the Spirit of God as we unpack these scriptures Help us, Lord, to leave this place indeed with a, a hunger and a thirst to taste for ourselves, to see for ourselves that indeed the Lord is good. Lord, if there are some in this room who have been blinded to this reality that our God is good, I pray that as we go through this message that, God, you would open up their eyes. I pray, Father, that you'd give them a, a new set of taste buds, that, God, they would experience you afresh. Help us, God, to leave this place, Lord, being encouraged that, God, those who seek after you will find you, and those who find you have joy evermore. So, Lord, lead us. Lead, speak through me, I pray. May I be a vessel of truth. I pray, Father, that all that um, I have jotted down, even be it in haste, I do pray, Father, that I was led by you, and it would be you who speaks through me, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So the first thing I'd like us to consider tonight is the context in which God's goodness was tasted and seen. So you might already know David is the author of this psalm. David wrote this psalm as he was running away from King Saul who sought to take his life. This psalm can be placed in 1 Samuel chapter 21 and verse 10. And we'll read until chapter 22 verse 3. Um, if you want to turn there, you can. 1 Samuel chapter 21. We'll start reading from verse 10. But if you want to look at the board, you can do that as well. So 1 Samuel 21 verse 10 reads, And David rose and fled that day from Saul and went to Achish, the king of Gath. 
And the servants of Akash said to him, Is not this David the king of the land? Did they not sing to one another of him in dances? Saul has struck down his thousands, and David his ten thousands. David took these words to heart and was much afraid of Akash, the king of Gath. So he changed his behavior before them and pretended to be insane in his hands and made marks on the doors of the gate and let his spit run down his beard. Then Akish said to his servants, Behold, you see the man is mad. Why then have you brought him to me? Did I lack madmen that you have brought this fellow to behave as a madman in my presence? Shall this fellow come into my house? Chapter 22, verse 1. David departed from there and escaped from the cave of Adullam. And when his brothers and all his father's house heard it, they went down there to him. And everyone who was in distress and everyone who was in debt and everyone who was bitter in soul gathered to him. And he became commander over them. And there were with him about 400 men. And David went from Mizpah to Moab. And he said to the king of Moab, Please let my father and my mother stay with you till I know what God will do for me. So when David writes this psalm, he's, he's in the cave as he has run away and as he is hiding from David. He had played the fool to escape the hands of his enemies. Adrenaline was probably still pumping. His heart was probably still racing. And we get to hear what was in the heart of the man who was after God's own heart as he journaled these words of praise to God. The first thing I want us to notice about David is he lived a lifestyle of worship. He lived a lifestyle of worship. Consider verses 1 and 2 of our psalm. He says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My, sh- my soul shall make its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. You see, although David had played the fool to escape the grip of his enemy, he was no fool. David knew his God. He worshipped his God. He trusted his God. I don't know if you picked up the phrase in chapter 22 and verse 3, where David says to the king of Moab, Till I know what God will do for me. You see, David was confident that God was at work. God was going to rescue him from the hands of his enemies. But as he wrote this psalm, things weren't looking good for the king. All he had was a trust that he had in God. But he still says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Did you notice the frequency of his praise to God? He says, at all times and continuously, continually, in the springtime and in the harvest, in the winter and in the drought, he will bless the Lord, for the name of the Lord will be praised from his lips all the days of his life. David purposed in his heart to praise God under all circumstances. And church, this is the call for believers In Ephesians chapter 5 verse 20, it says, Give thanks always for all good things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 17 and 18 says, Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God. 
You see, these New Testament references um, tell us that it is a command to believers to bless the Lord at all times. Question tonight, how are you doing at worshiping the Lord at all times? How are you doing at worshiping the Lord continually? What is hindering your praise that needs to be weeded out? David continues in verse 2 of our psalm. He says, My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. This seems to be the cheat code to the faithful and fervent worship. He says, boast in the Lord and humble yourselves. You see, David was hiding in a miserable cave. We see from this psalm that, his, that although he was in hiding, his heart was hiding in the Lord. David in the cave has no reason to boast. He had just humiliated himself by acting the fool. And he is on the run. But his boasting was always in the Lord who was his refuge to him. And we'll see this more later. The next thing I want us to see about the psalmist is an invitation to worship. An invitation to worship. Verse 3 says, O magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name forever. If you had noticed, it's, it said that everyone who was with him in the cave was in distress. Everyone was in debt. Everyone was bitter in soul. And there was about 400 of them. You see, it is easier to join the grumbling train. It is easier to complain because everybody naturally complains. Sadness, despondency, and depression is often contagious. It is easier to see the glass half empty when that's what everyone sees. But not so with David. He calls them to magnify the Lord with him. He says, come, let us lift up, let us exalt his name together. A commentator wrote, if it is good for one to exalt his name, then it is even better to do it together with his people. You see, the call of David to these men was to see God bigger than the army that is chasing them. In their worship, they could, see, they could not make God bigger, but they could certainly see him as bigger than their current troubles, and therefore he is worthy to be exalted. That's what we do when we gather together as a community. We are encouraging each other to worship God. We are encouraging each other to lift his name above every other name. We are encouraging each other to remember that our God is big. He is bigger than our troubles. He is bigger than us. He is bigger than Satan, sin, and the world. So let us together praise his name forever. Praise his name no matter the circumstance. Praise his name. Why? Let us consider the benefits of worship in verses 4 to 7. The psalmist says in verse 4, I sought the Lord and he answered me. And delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant, and their faces shall be never shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. I read this sentence as I was preparing uh, this sermon. 
And the sentence reads, We will be shaped most profoundly in all of life by what we most fear and what we most desire. And when I read this, I thought, man, this is true. If I fear the world and everything in it, if I desire the world and its pleasures, my life will reflect that. If I fear the Lord, if I desire the Lord above all else, likewise my life will reflect that. We can see of the psalmist. David feared the Lord. He desired the Lord like a deer pants for water, so his soul pants for God. A commentator points out, he says in verse 1, David says, I bless the Lord all at all times. In verse 2, he says, I will boast in the Lord. In verse 3, he says, he will magnify the Lord. Verses 4 to 5, he seeks the Lord. Verses 13 to 14, he obeys the Lord. Verses 22, he trusts him and takes refuge in him. At the core, to fear the Lord is to shift his focus from the preoccupation with these things that terrify him to a preoccupation with the only one who can rescue him. So let us see the benefits of a lifestyle of worship. The first benefit I want us to see is you seek the Lord and know that he will be found. Spurgeon comments, seeking is prayer. When you cannot get to God, when you cannot feel as if you had lost sight of Him and could not find Him, your seeking is prayer. I sought the Lord and He heard me. He heard me seeking Him, heard me feeling after Him in the dark, heard me running up and down, if by any chance I might find Him. To search after the Lord is prayer such as God hears." If your prayer is no better than a seeking after one you cannot as yet find, the Lord will hear it. The second benefit is you pray and know that he will answer your prayers. Church, do not underestimate the power of prayer. When you are in trouble, pray. When you are afraid, pray. When you feel lost, pray. When you are joyous, pray. When you are in need, pray. When you are in love, pray. When you are at peace, pray. When you feel ashamed, pray. When you are in distress, heartbreak, and uncertainty, pray. Pray at all times. Pray everywhere. Church, pray. For the prayers of the righteous, our God will not ignore God hears our prayers. He graciously answers them in accordance to his will. Church, pray. The other benefits are, in your fears, you know that he is able to deliver you. You know that those who look to him are radiant, more radiant than all those models in a Nivea ad. You know that he will not abandon you, leaving you embarrassed or ashamed. You know that his name is Jesus, meaning Jehovah saves. David could cry out to his father in heaven. He called himself a poor man because he was literally at the bottom. He had nothing and he was in a cave. Not only that, David was also poor in spirit. 
He recognized his spiritual bankruptcy. He recognized his need for God to save him. So he cries out to God in faith that in love God will deliver him. He cries out to God in faith that God will hear his prayers and answer him. He cries out to God in faith that he will not be ashamed. Can we briefly talk about crying? A cry is a sorrowful thing. It is the language of pain. It symbolizes great pain. It is intense. It is painful. It is not from lips, but it is from the soul. A cry seems to say, help me now. I cannot bear it any longer. Come to my relief. Again, I want us to consider the words of Spurgeon as he talks about a cry. He says, if prayer be a cry... It is, it is clear that it is one of the simplest acts of the mind. Oh, my hearer, whatever you need, pray for it in the way which you awake, your awakened heart suggests to you. God loves natural expressions when we come before him. Not that which is fine, but that which is on fire he loves. Not that which is dressed up, but that which leaps out of the soul just as it is born in the heart. He delights to receive. This poor man did not do anything grand, but from his soul he cried. A cry is as sincere as it is simple. Prayer is, prayer is not the mimicry of a cry, but the real thing. You need not ask a man or a woman when crying, do you mean it? A cry is true. Sorry, a true cry is the product of a real pain and the expression of a real want. And therefore, it is a real thing. Dear souls, if you do not know how to pray, cry. Cry because you cannot pray. Cry because you are lost by nature and by practice and will soon be lost forever unless grace prevent. Cry with a strong desire to be saved from sin and to be washed in the precious blood of Jesus. Pour out your hearts like water before the Lord, just as a man takes a pitcher and turns it upside down and pours the water all out. So turn your hearts upside down and let them flow out until the last drag has ran away. You people, pour out your hearts before God and cry. Lastly, to whom are we to cry and who will receive our worship? Verses 8 to 10 say, O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. O fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him have no lack. The young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. The invitation tonight is to taste and see that the Lord is good. All good gifts come from His gracious hand. He is faithful even when we are faithless. He is just. He is loving. He is kind. Church, come and see the Lord is good. This past holiday club, we could say that we saw that the Lord was indeed good the church came out financially. The church came out with donations of various items and by giving their time as well to serve at Holiday Club. 
We saw children memorize verses. We saw children grow in their understanding of the gospel. We, sh- we saw children's eyes being opened to, go- to God. And in all of this, I could only say, indeed, our God is good. This was not the work of man. Tonight, there are souls that are sitting in this room that will be present in heaven. Tonight, there are souls that are currently burdened but are being lifted up by God. Tonight, there are souls that are in need of encouragement and God is going to give that to them through fellowship. So church, taste. Taste, friends. Open up your eyes and see that how God, He is good. The psalmist says the happy man is the one who takes refuge in God. All other places of safety are temporary. temporary. They will leave you vulnerable. They will leave you open to attack. Come and find shelter in God. Lyrics to a song say, come you weary heart now to Jesus. Come you anxious soul now and see there is perfect love and comfort in your tears. Rest here in his wondrous peace. Oh, the goodness, the goodness of Jesus. Satisfied, he is all that I need. May it be, come what may, that I rest all my days in the goodness of Jesus. David ends his psalm tonight with an encouragement. That those who fear the Lord, that those who seek the Lord will have no lack. They will lack no good thing. God gives them contentment. He gives contentment to those who trust in Him. He gives peace and satisfaction to those who drink from His well of living waters. So church tonight, where have you been drinking? Is Jesus all that you need? Have you seen the goodness of Jesus? Tonight, the invitation is come and find your hope now in Jesus For his word is true and his promises are sure. Let us pray. But Jesus says, I pray, I continue the words from that song. And God, even as I pray, I'd like to invite those in this room as these words are an invitation to invite those in this room to come find peace in Jesus, to come find hope in you, to know that, God, you are good. God, the song says, come find what this world cannot offer. Come and find your joy here complete. Taste the living water, never thirst again. Rest here in his wondrous peace. Come and find your hope now in Jesus. He is all he said he would be. Grace is overflowing from the Savior's heart. Rest here in his wondrous peace. Oh, the goodness, the goodness of Jesus. Satisfied, he is all that we need. May it be come what may, that we rest all our days in the goodness of Jesus. So God, help us to leave you tonight saying that we have tasted and we can see that our Lord, He is good. In Jesus' name, Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon. Find out more about Central Baptist Church at www.central.org.za